so it's good. It's so it's so happy to see people pop in. So even before we start sitting, um, bring the attention to yourself right now. And, and notice that a shift can begin, not with any kind of external prompt, but just by shifting your attention back to the body back to whatever experience you're having right now. And I want to say again, that it's okay to be in any state that you find yourself in today. There is no requirement that you come into this space feeling happy or focused or with any kind of particular resolve. And listen to that. Really take that in. This is a space where you are welcome to be exactly as you are, exactly as you find yourself today. Completely welcome. Completely welcome to be just like this. And I, I want to say to you that I've heard from some of you, and I know that there's all kinds of changes going on in this space, and all kinds of suffering. And I'm not saying that as a kind of admonishment, but as something that I personally find very relaxing in this way. If you have experienced a loss, you're not alone. If you have experienced illness and physical pain or challenges, you have company. If you are recovering from or living with addiction, you have company in this space. And in the larger sense, all of us are here because there's something in us that seeks to awaken from an addiction to our own thinking. We're so tired of it, our old thinking. 
And so I wanted to to remind us, and many of us are experienced yogis, we know that one of the most famous stories of the Buddha, of his teaching, is the story of the mustard seed. And in this particular story, a woman was holding a child who had died. And that too has happened in this space. But it doesn't have to be that great tragedy. It could be any loss, any death, the death of a job, a dream, a relationship, a difficult relationship with a child, a difficult relationship with yourself and your addictions, whatever it is, this woman was clinging to it. The way we cling to what we think separates us from others. And perhaps it's a trauma that we experienced that fills us with a sense of separation and shame. Perhaps it's fear about the future. Whatever it is, we cling. And she was clinging. And nobody, nobody who loved her could persuade her to put down this dead child. So finally, she was taken to the Buddha. And he said, I know what to do. I know how to help you. And she was saying, oh, I knew it. I knew that you had the medicine that could bring this child back to life. And you could substitute this relationship, this dream of my future, this job, this marriage, whatever it is. And he said, yes, I do. I do have the medicine. I want you to go back to the village and find a home where nobody has experienced loss or disappointment or disillusionment or addiction or any kind of illness, mental or physical, and ask them, surely there's somebody money troubles, ask those people for a mustard seed, and instantly you will, your child will be cured. So the woman set out completely convinced that the Buddha would bring her child back to life. And so she knocked on door after door after door. And every time she opened the door, people would be filled with compassion when they saw her holding this dead child, this great problem. And she'd say, do you have a mustard seed? Of course I have mustard seeds. It was a key part of their cuisine, I guess. But she said, there's just one catch. 
the mustard seed has to come from a home in which there has been no loss, no disappointment, no addiction, no trouble, no, no great upset. And they'd say, oh, I'm terribly sorry. I have to let you down. And she trudged on and on and on. And she went to another village and another village and another village until it finally occurred to her that there was nowhere, nowhere, where there were sentient beings, where this situation didn't occur. A situation of of suffering, dukkha, suffering. And finally, she allowed the child to be buried. Not forgotten, but this, she made the shift. That's the promise of this practice, that we can move from isolation, from suffering in a state of separation, to knowing that we're part of a greater whole. That what we experience, whether it's loneliness or illness, or all the changes that we go through, we share share those with other human beings. And I once, one of my noble friends here, once was greatly helped when I reminded her that there are many different translations and, and descriptions of this state called nirvana. And one of them is an extinguishing, a fever breaking. And I compared it to the calm that comes after tears. Nirvana isn't wild joy, it's relief, relief. That feeling you have when you've cried your heart out and you have the sensation, here I am, here I am. My defenses are down and I am allowing myself to be seen, to be just as I am. And we see in that moment that, you know, it can seem so dark, the Buddha emphasizing that what we have in common is suffering. But we see that when we truly register that we share this, we also discover this other thing, which is kindness, which is compassion. And so I just wanted to um, read the poem Kindness by Naomi Shihab Nye, which to me 
really expresses the discovery of what presence really is, which is a letting go of separation. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things, feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all this must go so that you know how desolate the region is between kindness, how you ride and ride, thinking the bus will never stop, the passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the window forever. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you. How he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside. You must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it until your voice catches the thread of all sorrow. And you see the size of cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore. Only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to gaze at bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it's I you have been looking for and goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. So let's sit, let's sit together and take a comfortable seat and notice how it feels to give yourself kindness. Let your back be straight and let your eyes close. And just notice how it feels to be here today.
and notice how it feels to know this with kind acceptance. With no striving. Notice that this attention softens you, softens the tensions inside. And you'll see thoughts, feelings, memories, all kinds of things will come. And just meet them with kind attention. Gently coming back to the body to the sensation of sitting here, present, welcoming everything that comes. Notice how it feels to just rest in kind attention, in a presence that sees with acceptance.
notice how alive you are, how vibrant and responsive. Just resting. Remembering that we are also this presence that sees. That receives. Just let everything happen and come home to sensation, back to presence. Notice that stillness can contain sound. It can contain all kinds of impulses. It just means being soft, allowing things to happen. 
to the body and to presence, not fighting or fleeing or freezing. Notice that everything, every reaction can be observed with kindness and curiosity. And when you get lost, when you get swept up in reactions or thinking, gently come back again to the body, to sensation, to presence. And Notice that it feels as if you are accompanied.
there is always a home to come back to. Presence, sensation. And notice that it meets everything with kindness and curiosity. Give up striving and just sink into sensation and let yourself be met by a presence that receives everything with kindness with acceptance.
noticing the presence inside you that's shared. With life. Thank you for your practice and for your presence. And if you have observations or questions about the practice, we'll keep it to that. Um, we'd love to hear your voice. And you don't have to raise your hand. Just please feel free to unmute and speak. I'll go. It's Susan. Hi, thank you so much for this. Um, I guess I'm just having a hard time with um, wanting this puppy that I'm now <laughs> raising um, to be adult already. And um, my whole life is thrown into kind of chaos. And I really am having a hard time with just it feels like I'm hanging on as opposed to um, being able to um, just be in the day with the feelings, whatever they are, and just get up the next day and, just, you know, start over. And that's what I want. But I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it's not nice to the puppy, you know. <laughs> no, no. It's, thank you so much uh, for sharing that because I think everybody here, not just with dogs, but with kids, has anybody here had the experience of, I wish they'd grow up? I can't wait. I just can't wait until they grow up. And then the minute they grow up and go, it's like, oh, sad. And I'm not saying you're going to miss the puppy, that teething puppy phase. But um, what I am saying is that this is a time when you can really begin to understand that the practice is really about observation. And not just on the cushion, but in the thick of it, when you see yourself just wishing this puppy would grow up already, right then, observing and observing, with kindness and acceptance. And because that's when curiosity can really appear. And first thing we see when we take our practice off the cushion is how intensely judgmental we are, or even on the cushion, that we are incessantly, we no sooner begin to see something, anything, than we have a comment about it or a judgment about it. I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't be thinking this. Or this is what I can do to fix it. Or I'll try this or something. And we begin to see, as, as I was once told, and I couldn't believe it at first, the moment we begin to judge, seeing stops. Observe this. Observe this. All of us. And we don't like the word, um, you know, we don't want to think about it. Um, but it's very very illuminating to see how pervasive it is. So, Susan, you're in a situation and this puppy is creating chaos and you're, you're having a reaction and you, it might occur to you even just once to turn and see. And maybe just once remember, oh, what am I seeing? Am I seeing or am I commenting? Am I admonishing myself? And observe all of that, all of that. And, and I promise you, it begins to open a new door. You see, the way we live is, I wish I was out of this mess that I'm in. I wish I felt better, or I wish this was solved, or the puppy was grown, or on and on and on. But when we're right in the middle of it, and we just for a moment, it occurs to us to see, we begin to discover what freedom 
freedom might really be. It's not no more bad feelings or difficult or challenging situations. It means that you can let them flow, understanding that there's more to you. There's a presence that's not shaken, that just goes on seeing with kindness and curiosity. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It really does. And, and um, you know, it, sometimes I feel like I need my uh, sleep. I need resources to be able to do that. But I guess what's true is in the moment to just do it just just turn and yeah. even if i'm exhausted you know yeah. yeah even if certain things are getting procrastinated um you know whatever um and even if i get depressed about it um it's okay to just observe <laughs> you yeah know, what thing is you don't i don't have to have the conditions just right no right. exactly okay and- and not just that, Susan, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to oh, trample, but um, not just that, but you begin to see that the more challenging your conditions, the more you can get free, the more you can see. You begin because you start seeing, oh my gosh, I'm so interesting. And you see how we're always reaching for something outside of ourselves, um, some magic solution, some better conditions, mm-hmm. a better place to live, no puppy, something. And you just see the grabbing and then on to the next thing. And as you get really interested in how you are, um, something begins to open. So that it's like depression. You just see here, this is depression, period. With total acceptance. This is what it feels like. This is regret. This is loneliness. This is pain. And you're observing it with exquisite care. I remember you talked about when I look and I thought to myself, whoa, wow. Um, In the middle of the night, you were watching all these really horrendous stories that were going on about the end of the world and this and that. And, And then you said that, you know, right in the moment you did just that, you sort of just began to observe it. And I thought, yeah, I guess I could try to do that. Yeah, I guess you could. Yeah. And, and see what happens. Okay. Just see, just I, see. I will. I'll just keep working at that, even if I'm tired. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. And it's almost comical because you see how it's the last resort. It's like um, almost every time, you know, not just for you, Susan, but for all of us. And it's often at the point of exhaustion. Mm -hmm. 
that it occurs to us to just sink into the body, into sensation, and just see, which feels like being seen at the same time. I give up. I'm going to just observe. And that's when we discover that suffering gives way sometimes to kindness, to spaciousness, to the discovery that we're not who we think we are. We're not just these isolated beings in this mess. We're also a presence that sees that's part of something much greater. Um, this is Diane. Um, I'm almost embarrassed to bring this up because it's so sort of the opposite end of the spectrum from what Susan was just talking about. But um, I was at my son's house with my two grandkids and they're both taking these dance lessons they're doing all, they're taking all these summer campy, you know, Taekwondo and all this stuff. But so they're both learning how to tap dance. So we decided to watch Singing in the Rain. And, you know, they're, they're the two, you know, they're like seven and 10 and their attention came and went, but I just loved it. And, and then I ended up judging myself because I'm looking at how manipulative this movie world is, how it's, I mean, my mind was ticking up all this stuff about, I don't know, how fake it is, how it's making me go, but you know, I laughed out loud a whole bunch of times and I, I got teary eyed and so I, I, I don't know, I'm just, is it okay to just give it to the <laughs> sentiment of that, and then and then also say, okay, well, it is very manipulative, and but you know, great movie. <laughs> so I, I I I'm just tossing that out because it just happened this afternoon. I, you know, I I've seen it numbers numbers of times but watching my two grandkids watching it and seeing them i don't know i'm i'm incoherent a little bit sorry but i but the judgment thing kind of got to me so after we were talking about tap dance and stuff and i said oh well let's show them some bill robinson you know <laughs> and and something to sort of show <laughs> I, so we got into this discussion about other you know, like how white the film is and all this stuff, but God damn, it's funny and it's well made. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, that's just a plug that just happened this afternoon. And, yeah. And it's just pure entertainment that you know is manipulative and 
there's a lot of bad politics in it. Is it okay to just love it? And then, I, I don't know. That I'll, I'll leave it there. Okay. Okay. Well, just keeping it to practice. Yes. To but, our practice for the moment, because it's such a rich subject, and others here can speak more eloquently than I. But there's something extraordinary about turning to observe ourselves because it's so revealing especially when we have an interest in practice when we're seekers because we begin to see i was having an exchange with a noble friend in this space how often it's the the uh, seeker in us, the holy person, the aspirant, who can be the most severe, the most severe in their, their judgments or their um, seeking control. And the, the recommendation is to go on seeing. Just keep going on seeing. So you saw that you're watching this film and this extraordinary, um, this torment and this, all these comments and on and on and on came up. Just see. Just see. Because that is what leads to freedom. Not um, not more judgment. It's um, just see how you are. Because as we do that, we begin to see that we're also the seeing, the one who sees. And really, I was just because that really struck me in the invitation for today's sitting your your email yeah, yeah. exactly so like I, I, and i reread that when i got home and was getting ready to yeah yeah it's Stop interesting driving. yeah it is because well it's especially interesting because um for those of you who didn't see it um uh, a contemporary uh, Buddhist teacher whom I've met, Michelle McDonald, went to Myanmar, Burma. And because a lot of the language in this tradition seems so stern, and one of the traditional um, uh, demands is that we strive diligently. So she sought out these different sayadars, these. Uh, abbots, senior monks, different monasteries. What does this mean? And every one of them said it really means to remember. Remember your experience. Remember, I didn't put this in, but remember impermanence. And you could um, kind of contract around impermanence to be like a, an admonition to remember life is whipping past. But it also means this even deeper truth that we are fluid, not fixed. 
And whether you're with a puppy or watching, singing in the rain, you're seeing, if you're seeing how you're grabbing, 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 the mind is constantly grasping for solidity. We're constantly wanting to say, now I have it, or this is my conclusion, or this is what's right, and this is what's wrong grabbing and grabbing and grabbing and we're being invited to see that what it's really asked for is a willingness to be in a state of remembrance which means coming back to presence and watching how we flow we flow in our deepest essence. So it's really not about, it's really not about getting to be the best mom of a pup you know, and it's really not about the ego stuff. And that is really difficult <laughs> to let go of, you know, just constant. Like if I were to just be seeing that over and over and over again, that's all I would be. I'd be seeing a lot of that, you know, and yeah, whew, yeah that's big. Yeah. That's yeah. Big. yeah. And just remember you have time. You don't have to do it all at once, just for a moment. Let go and remember. Even if it feels like the end of the world, is to come back to presence. So why don't we sit for a final couple of minutes? Just let your eyes close and notice how it feels to be completely soft with yourself. Completely kind and accepting. And expressing to yourself 
your gratitude for this practice, for this intention to come home to ourselves, our experience, and be present. And we don't keep it for ourselves alone, but we let this intention shine out, putting two hands together in a heart space. And with the wish that all beings everywhere be safe and protected, that they taste what it's like to be truly present, that they know what it's like to be completely acceptable and accepted. And that they, we, all beings in every world be completely free. Thank you. Thank you so much for your practice. And I'd also like to take a moment to thank all of you for your donations and your kind presence here. It, it really helps make this a space that's based on trust instead of transaction. And we have something very special to 